Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7 on The Horn. the sports complex on a monday afternoon another win for texas means three and oh for the first time in a while celebrating here in austin texas with another longhorns win cowboys win as well we'll get into a little nfl a whole lot of texas football play some of the great news some of the great sounds from e and rod b this morning We'll also get into the Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. More stories from the NFL. Give you a little MLB update before we give you up for the Rangers at 630 and get you previewed for tonight's doubleheader of it Monday Night Football. Action football rolling all the way into a Monday afternoon and a Monday night. Gotta love it, especially when Texas wins so we can all enjoy football for another day. And I know I'm going to not be critical because I'm happy because Texas won and it, the game wasn't as bad as a lot of people think. And some people think it was bad. Some people think it wasn't bad. I don't know. We'll go through it. Uh, Sark Talk spoke to the media today as well. We will get into all that. Remember, you can join the conversation. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the text line for you to join the conversation with us here today on the Sports Complex. Of course, Texas gets the win. It was not pretty. The first half was, you know, downright ugly at times. Uh, you hate to see Texas have to rely on another big fourth quarter, but it's great to see that Texas can play in the fourth quarter. After we know how the last couple of years have gone of third and fourth quarter collapses and and all of that, you it's good to see that Texas has somewhat figured out how to bring energy in the fourth quarter, but, but the giant butt in the room. I can't do the Rod Babers. The giant butt in the room is you played a not optimal first half. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. We will get into those. Uh, let's start off, though, with Sark. He was uh, doing his press availability today, his press conference today about the game. We'll be going through the game today. As we get further into the week, we'll get into Baylor and Big 12 schedule. But let's uh, let's listen to what Sark had to say about the game on Saturday night. All righty. Um, just to reiterate and just kind of, Close the book on Saturday night. I, uh, I, you know, I do think it was a versatile team win. You know, I've been talking a lot about this with the team that you know we can win games a, a multitude of ways, and I thought uh, I thought Saturday night kind of showed that. You know, we were really sound on special teams. You know, we got two explosive returns out of Worthy in the punt return game. Sanborn punted the ball extremely well. Our kickoff coverage unit, you know, continues to be just tremendous. You know, they brought one out. We tackled the returner down inside the 15-yard line. Uh, so that, that's that been a real positive of ours. And I know sometimes we're always looking for the wow plays with the blocks and things, but we've been very steady uh, on special teams. That our field goal unit was good uh, with their opportunities that they had. So I've been proud of that unit. that They showed up Saturday night. Uh, you know, I think defensively, as I touched on, there was probably three plays in the game that you feel frustrated on the, the long touchdown run. We just don't fit it. We don't fit it very, very well at all. Um, you know, that kind of throw on the sidelines that goes through Keaton Crawford, arguably could, could have been an interception and they, they create an explosive play there. And then the scramble there uh, in the third quarter on third down where they kind of quarterback scrambles to his left and hits the receiver kind of in the hole there. But outside of that, we, we played pretty sound defensively. And I thought the, the adjustment, 
on some of those quick out route throws showed up when, when Jaron Thompson, you know, inevitably jumps the route, gets the interception, and, and returns it for a touchdown. So that adaptability was good. thought in the run game, you know, we, we kind of adjusted styles and we started moving them off the ball. I thought Jonathan Brooks, like I said, ran well. Uh, what I was really impressed with, you watch Xavier and A.D. Mitchell, two guys who we think of catching the ball, they blocked really well the other night. They were getting on secondary players and blocking, and that's just being a complete player. Um, and then lastly, Jody Barron, you know, four really good third down stops, a couple tremendous plays there. Um, and then lastly, I just, you know, I hate to jinx a guy, but, but Quinn taking care of the ball I think has been big for us as well. I know we had the one turnover really late there, uh, but inevitably, you know, taking care of the ball. So proud of the guys, like I said. I, that was a, a good learning experience for us uh, to, to maybe not being at our best, but, but refocusing, recalibrating, and, and playing really well in the second half, you know. We just didn't get many opportunities. We only, I think we only had 52 snaps in the game offensively, um, which is about – 20 or so snaps off of our average. And so you'd like to think maybe there'd be a few more opportunities to score. Uh, but I think we took advantage of the ones that we had in the second half. So um, encouraged by that. Yeah, and we can also say the very end there where he says, you know, the limited number of stats. If there wasn't the Jane Blue fumble, which, again, he doesn't get a lot of playing time. I'm not going to hold him over the coals for that one. If he doesn't have that, it's probably 38 to 20 or 38 to 10. And people feel even a little bit better about the game uh, from that final score. But that always notwithstanding. The adaptability, I agree with Sark. Adaptability has been great for Texas this year, but it's taken a little while to get there. They have consistently been able to find the way to get through, but it just takes them a half, and it takes the, the team a little bit to feel confident against some of these different looks. The difference between Wyoming and Rice to Alabama is everything went the way it was supposed to go against Alabama. The Alabama's defense came out and played the same defense and the same offense that you had seen on tape, that you had prepared for all week. What you had prepared for it happened out on the field, and what didn't happen against Rice and and Wyoming last week was that both those schools basically brought something that was out of their playbook. They had done a couple of three-deep safeties throughout. Rob Babers had brought that up in the pregame show, that it was – a couple of, you know, they brought out some different looks. But the different looks, Texas isn't preparing for them enough. They're going to have to figure that out as they keep going on through this season. You're going to have to keep figuring those types of things out. Of Because you know in the Big 12, once we get into Big 12 schedule, everybody's going to keep trying to find whatever is your weakness, they're going to keep attacking it, no matter what they do. This is not a Big 12 right now that is good enough that any of these teams are really going to come at you with their strength. We knew what Wyoming did. Wyoming was a really good run defense. That's what they did, and they basically wiped out their run defense, said we, we won't even focus on our run defense. We're not worried about that because we don't think you're going to run the ball. We don't think your game plan is to run the ball as much, so we're not going to worry as much about our running. We're going to go to the passing game, and we're going to start, and we're just going to try and confuse Quinn Ewers as much as we can, and we're going to try and confuse and just mess up your game plan because we know Sark is really good at drawing up scripts, but if we can go out there and just show something that's not supposed to be in the script and we're having a different argument than you're having and we wrote, we're acting in a different play than you're acting in, then you know what? It's going to cause some problems, and it, and it takes a while for Sark to, to adjust to that as well as the team. So when Sark was asked about the passing game struggles that against a, a – a team that everyone said going in, if you would watch the first two Wyoming games, you would watch the first two Texas games, Texas was going to have 400 yards passing in this game and maybe 50 to 60 yards rushing. That's what it looked like going into the game. That's how the, the strengths and weaknesses lined up. And Wyoming took everything that they could to help out that secondary and dared Texas to run on them, which they did. And that's really what sealed the game for Texas. What changed the game is once Texas got that run game going, it was going fine. Here's Sark talking about the passing game, though, and that there were struggles in this and how it affects you as a team when your plan is to be a pass-heavy team. I think just every aspect of the passing game needs to improve. You know, it just we felt like we just weren't we weren't as sharp. You know, we had a protection breakdown in there. Um, didn't have the best play calls predicated on what the coverages were. I think Quinn – could have could have probably made a couple throws that he normally would make. So everybody kind of took their turn. 
And that's, again, that's not to make excuses. We all have to be better. And, and that, you know, again, you think passing game, you think play call, and you think quarterback, and most notably, you, both of us need to be better. Um, but I think everybody else needs to be better as well. And so we all got to take responsibility uh, of that, uh, and we're going to need our passing game as we know. And so, again, I'm not going to let one game kind of knock me off my rocker on this one. Um, we were really good throwing the ball for two weeks, especially in week two. Um, it wasn't as clean as we wanted to. The lucky part for us, we have a run game that we can lean in on, a defense that can we can count on in special teams. Um, but we'll, we'll get that fixed, and, and we'll go out and, and play much better in the passing game this week. So, it, you know, you have to start preparing, if you're Texas, for the inevitable that teams are going to throw you throw a wrench in your plans. Because, again, this, this Wyoming defense, Texas Tech averaged 2.8 yards per carry against them, and they averaged five against Oregon. Tech, uh, Bethune, or, uh, sorry, uh, Portland State plays in week two. Portland State uh, averages 2.3 yards per carry against Wyoming. Texas averaged six yards per carry against Wyoming. And, and part of that is a huge Jonathan Brooks run. But but I'm just saying that the game plan was forget pass, forget rush defense. We're going to make Texas do what they don't want to do. We're going to play Sark that Sark doesn't want to play you know, gritty football and just run the ball. We know he wants big plays, and we're going to make him run the ball. And if he tries to throw the ball, we're going to try and take that game away. We're going to bump the receivers. We're going to try and take him out of routes. We're going to try and stick as many guys out there in the field and, and, you know, try natural pressure. We know Rice got some some decent results just taking natural pressure and maybe blitzing a guy late. All of those things that Rice was able to, uh, to do against Texas, Wyoming took that game plan and went against it. And defensively, Texas went out there and didn't realize they were playing against a new running back and a new wide res- and a new quarterback. Wyoming didn't let on that they, you know, hey, by the way, the game film you watched on our offensive players is completely different. And the defense did their job. You know, they allowed that one big run. Jaron Thompson so far <laughs> is has has one really bad play and one really good play in two in the last two games. Momentum swings, second half interceptions that changed the game in both games, and also. Just complete blown plays where he took a horrible route on that run play. He should have been there. He was behind the play. He should have been able to stop it. Wasn't able to stay in front. But he's making good plays. But this takes us to the word of the day, kids. This is the most important word. And this is a thing that Sark mentions a few times in the conference today. This is something that you have to look at when you're talking about how they played against Rice, how they played against Wyoming, how they played against uh, Alabama. The word is consistency. That this Texas team needs to find a bit more consistency if they want to take that next step as a program. If you want to take that next step as a program, you need to build up the consistency that every game doesn't have to come in. We're guessing where your abilities are going to be. Guessing what the team is going to run at you and you can't impose your will on them because you're just not quite consistent enough. And we've seen it in games. Against Alabama, we saw the, the Texas wide receivers play amazing, amazing downfield plays, amazing blocking that they had in some plays, and amazing uh, you know, routes to get open, catches, everything they did in the game. And they also had some real bonehead drop passes, you know, made missed blocks they should have missed to break big plays bigger. They did both sides. What you want to see is consistency. When you're scouting players, you can find players – that you know have the ability, and we can see the spark of something special in, in a player. And you can see that in, when you recruit that and when you bring that in. You like to bring in players with a little bit of consistency and a lot of spark because what you know is we are going to train them to be more consistent. We're going to try and find, to, we're going to find that closer ground. And I think Sark has made improvements because last year this team was very inconsistent, extremely inconsistent. And this year, they've played both ways in all three games. All three games have had ups and downs, but they have shown in all three games that they are a good football team. So the consistency going forward, when you have the, the, the rest of your schedule, every single opponent you are playing is putting forth their best game plan against you. Everyone is, is scouting you. Everyone knows what you want to do. You need to go out there and show your consistency that you were able to achieve those things. And now the fact that without C.J. Baxter, Jonathan Brooks is able to put up the game that he puts up. The fact that Jonathan Brooks is able to 
put up a hundred plus yards rushing and really set the tone, especially going into that second half of imposing his will. And that's a consistency we need to see. We, we I talked before the season that I wanted Jonathan Brooks to go out there and take the job. Nothing against C.J. Baxter. I think he's got a very bright future for Texas. But if you say someone's been in the system, someone this is their opportunity, I'm going to root for the guy that I think it's their opportunity to go take it. And I wanted him to take it. And I want C.J. Baxter to be a really good – I want him to be a one-two punch. But the problem was Jonathan Brooks didn't take the position. When you hear about what Sark says about Jonathan Brooks now versus what he had said at the beginning of the season, where you could tell there was some issues – we know that he missed some blocks. We know that he dropped some touchdown passes. And he wasn't necessarily bringing the consistent effort in the running game. And so he could bring in the third and fourth quarter. He needs to bring that consistency to being a powerful, hardcore, first-half running back as well because that's how it, Sark is going to decide who's running the ball in the fourth quarter. Here's Sark talking about Jonathan Brooks, his growth, and his ability to kind of come into a situation where C.J. Baxter was was injured, Jonathan Brooks had to take over in a game where the game plan was not to run the ball a lot because Wyoming normally has a very strong front seven, and then in the second half impose his own will. Here's Sark talking about Jonathan Brooks. Well, you know, I think maturity, you know, it's like anything, guys – year three now um and he had a chance for two years to be with with Bijan and Roshan you know two really mature guys and that handled adversity really well never really got emotional uh and I think now you know Jonathan is at a state of his career where he's a little bit more even keel you know and and he's a little bit more focused and that allows him to kind of not make kind of some unforced errors, and he's taking care of the ball better today than he, than he ever has. Knock on wood, you know he's, he's really taking care of the football um, situationally. His understanding of what we're trying to do. He's a he's a problem in the passing game, so he's just grown, right? His his development has been that he's grown as a player, but he's also I think grown personally, and and uh, he's a guy that's one of the leaders on our team, and I'm glad we got him. And that's where we want to see Sark talking more glowingly of Jonathan Brooks. But that comes down to how consistent he can play week to week. The effort from everyone on this team, that we saw the effort in the first half of this game from everybody, wasn't quite the same. I'll give Xavier Worthy a lot of credit that his play in special teams and him just trying to get get the team kind of excited, get people up for the game, get get people into it and feeling the way they need to feel offensively when the start wasn't what you wanted it to be. When you just, you know, you have all that hype and everything and, and it just kind of peters out and it can really slow you down. I'll give Xavier Worthy credit uh, of being a leader on this team to on special teams where he doesn't necessarily have to go out of his way to make, try and make some of these plays. He's going out and trying to do everything in his power to electrify the team, not only the fans, but the team, and get them to play at a higher level. And get them to get energized and to come bring that effort that needs to be stepped up because you Xavier Worthy can only do so much if he's being double teamed. You can't get too much more out of him. I think he had a good game for how much they were really trying to shut him down and how much of their defensive game plan was centered around Xavier Worthy. I think he had a pretty decent game for what it was. You know, you can't blame him for, for if Quinn doesn't see him, and you can't blame him if you know the ball doesn't come his way or he's double cut. You can't blame him for that. But I think that it was a very, I think that was a good thing to see that he came out and started to get this team more excited, started to get this team feeling a little bit better. But you have to start it, and this is where I know it's the extension of the run game is the passing and where you want to get those short yardage passing. I think that should have been hit up a little bit more. Quinn wasn't necessarily feeling it. I don't know why they weren't able to get to that as much to get four or five yards instead of two or three yards in the running game. But it was very much a a slow start against a defense they were not expecting to see. Here's start talking about when teams kind of throw up different fronts against you and how you have to react as a running game and a passing game. Yeah, I, I, hopefully we can continue to build off the run game um, of kind of where we, where we got to last week. Um, you know, the, one, of the, one of the challenges from a coaching perspective is, you know, we try to anticipate the looks that we're going to get. 
and then we try to put our players in position to practice those things and then so that they can operate at a high level. But ultimately, we're always going to get some things in game that are, that are different, right, that are new. And that's when our players really have to trust their training. That's when they have to fall back on their, their fundamentals, right, the training that we've put them through through training camp and where the rules apply to each run and, and block it to their capability. And then on the sideline, we can get those things fixed. And so I think we can mature in, in, that, in that frame of like, hey, we're going to practice – our runs this week versus the variety of things we think we're going to get. If something outlandish comes out, if we just trust our training, we stick to our fundamentals and techniques, we should cover them up. It might not be the ideal run versus that specific look or that front. Then that's where we have to adapt and we have to adjust as a coaching staff and, and maybe get them to something different. And so that is going to be the struggle for the rest of the season is you're going to see everybody throwing everything at the wall in front of you. And, and I know we get texts that they were con- consistent last year, good in the first half, bad in the second half. But that's not really – that's the team to doing what the game plan was. The game plan worked, and you were able to uh, you know, uh, use the game plan to go out and score some points. And then when you had to adapt, you weren't able to do it. This year the team is actually adapting well. They're going well. But the game plans that have been drawn up these first couple weeks, uh, week one and week three, were just not good game plans. They went up against teams that changed up everything, hadn't seen enough of them, and, you know, there's going to be a difference of you probably won't see as many things in Big 12 play where you really just don't have any film on a team doing this type of thing. But you, you, I think you will be more prepared for Sark. I think Sark will have a better idea of what to prepare teams for as we get in the Big 12. I think PK will be able to help out on that. I think some of the other coaches will be able to help out, some of the analysts, to have a little bit more of a flexible game plan in the first half of these seasons, in the first half of these games. Because the adaptability is great. The consistency of the energy in the second half is great. But that consistency needs to go over four quarters. That is where Texas needs to step up to the next level. They need to be able to play four quarters at a level of energy and intensity that even when, you know, even though you may miss a play and even though you have that run play that breaks out to the side and Jaron Thompson just wasn't aware of the speed of the running backs, it was his first game that season, so maybe he wasn't aware of it and just took a real bad angle for it and cost him seven points. Even if there's that, you then have to be able to bounce back on the next series and try and make something big as opposed to waiting for the second half when you really start to feel the pressure of it being a three-point game in the second half or a tie game in the second half. You shouldn't need that pressure to feel it. You should feel the pressure already because of the expectations that you should have for yourself. That's the consistency that Texas needs to find is the pressure does not need to be a situational pressure. You should have it all the time, and whether you're winning or losing or doing whatever you're doing, that pressure should be consistent. That's what you need. Time to get to the Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today, easy one. Who is your MVP against Wyoming? Who is the most valuable player against Wyoming? You know, you can go uh, Jade Barron had a good game. I think Jaron Thompson, you go, he had the pick six, but he also had the misplay, but maybe he's your guy, the pick six. Baron Sorrell had a good game defensively. We go on the offensive side, Jonathan Brooks, man. What a game. Again, I'm telling you, the first two games of the season, teams average less than three yards a carry. Texas averaged six yards a carry against, against Wyoming. So maybe it's Jonathan Brooks. Give him his flowers for that. Maybe it's Xavier Worthy for what I talked about earlier about Xavier Worthy being able to come in and get this team hyped up and bringing energy on special teams that then allows him to bring energy and have that huge play down the sideline. Doesn't get a lot of catches, doesn't get a lot of touches, but what he does, he uses to the most of his ability. What what player is your MVP for for Texas against Wyoming? We come back, we get to that, we'll get some more of your text, we'll play some, uh, some sounds from Ian Robbie this morning and keep the show rolling here on the Sports Complex. And the Horn, 1019 and 1260, The Horn app, and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The 
Sports Complex. Afternoons 5 to 7. Hell yeah! On the horn. Back at the Sports Complex here on The Horn on a Monday afternoon. Musical theme of the week, we're going big. Big 12 conference play starts on Saturday, so we're going big here. Songs about being big. Big stuff, Mr. Big Stuff. All all week long here on the Sports Complex, we'll be playing some big music for you. Uh, We're going to get to your text. More text from you, 512-337-3776. Who was your MVP for week one is the... Poll of the day: Who was your MVP from? Uh, sorry, not week one, week three against Wyoming. And uh, what any takes from the game? Any takes from the game? Things you need, you feel Texas need to improve on? Anything you want to talk about about the game? Hit us up five one two three three seven three seven seven six. That's five one two three three seven three seven seven six is the text line. Hit us up there. We'll get to those in just a minute. I'm going to read those up. Get to my get my thoughts ready. But we're going to get you ready. Uh, talking about Rod, and this is the reality. Is I know last week. People were getting mad at me because I was trying to hold reality down that beating Alabama is great. That beating Alabama was awesome. We should celebrate it. It should be great. I have bigger aspirations for this team. I think that this Texas team could be really, really good. I think there's a lot of ability in them. And Texas fans now are now jumping off the other side of the bridge. One side of the bridge, the other. But the good news is that we've got a whole long season to do this. And what point Rod Babers and Aaron Hogan brought up this morning is Texas now has first world problems of being a Texas fan. Not the ones we had a few years ago where we were hoping to be relevant at all. It's first world problems now. Here's, uh, here's E and Rod B from Hook'em Up this morning, 6 to 11, right here on the horn. Oh, man. To be, um, to be a Texas fan now with these first world problems, it's great. It's great to complain about the yeah, first twenty-one problems. point wins. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I get it. I understand it, and we're going to talk our way through it. All right, this is this is what Mondays are all about. So, just to put everything into perspective, right? For Sark, in the off season, the, our one of our big complaints since Sark has gotten here is has been the second half and the fourth quarter. Right, that he he doesn't have a four quarter team and a a fourth quarter team. Now, I will say they are still not a four quarter team. But they are a fourth quarter team. <laughs> Second <laughs> right? half for sure. They're not a four quarter team, but they're a fourth quarter team. All right. So I know we're uh, just because they are the number three team in the land. Does that, that's their ceiling? Doesn't mean they're going to play like that. A, a dominant elite team every week and all quarters. That's the that's the hope. And I think it, they week to week you hope they get there. The I guess the disappointment for Longhorn fans is if. Sark is saying they get better week to week. A lot of Longhorn fans are looking at last this past weekend as a regression because if you're building on the Alabama game, um, and that's fair, we can get into that discussion. But I will say give the man credit and give the team credit because we complained about it for, what, two seasons? uh, Everybody, hey, man, this team does not, they do not play in the fourth quarter. uh, The collapse at the end of the game. We, We praised Sark's opening script for years and how great his opening script was, the first 20 plays, uh, but we needed him to be a better fourth quarter coach and his team to be a better fourth quarter team. I will say he is a better fourth quarter coach. And he has even talked about how he's more aggressive now in the fourth quarter uh, than he was in previous years here at Texas. And the team responds really well in the fourth quarter. I believe they're they're out. I believe they're winning the fourth quarter by a combined like 28 points so far this year. Remember last season, they were outscored in the fourth quarter in overtime by a combined 12 well, points, although outscoring their opponents by 179 points combined in the first three quarters. So my point is give them credit for that, that they are a fourth quarter team this year. Still got to work on being a four-quarter team. I think that's the concern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three wins by double digits. Uh, and then, as you said, in each game this year, they've had a 21-point quarter. Right against Rice, it was the third quarter when they erupted in the second half second and three half, quick touchdowns yeah. uh, after a, a lethargic at some level first half. Uh, and then, you know, we know at Alabama, they were down 16-13 to 13 and outscored the Crimson Tide 21-8. And then uh, on, uh, let me say this, on a good, bad, and ugly Monday, 
you know, Wyoming had a real good game plan, and they had a backup quarterback. The Longhorns didn't know very well, I don't think. But at the same time, they ran the three high. They ran the three high a defense, which which is something they do. Uh, that's not something they brought out for Texas. That's something they do anyway. Well, and they 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 you know Texas was. You know, Sark was trying to get the passing offense going and was trying to throw into that three high. Uh, but look, I mean, they they controlled the ball for 38 minutes, and we said they were trying to shorten this game. And um, you know, they, they cracked off the long run on the first drive where the Longhorns were Vernon Broughton got twisted out of his gap, and then Anthony Hill, the freshman linebacker, didn't fill the gap. And then Jaron Thompson, I thought, took a bad angle from safety, and that turns into a touchdown run. But outside of that, the defense I thought was outstanding. Um, you know, Wyoming was able to you know do what they wanted as far as you know controlling the ball. Uh, that drive to start the third quarter was pretty impressive for them. But in the end, the Longhorns were able to explode for three quick touchdowns. Xavier Worthy, he's your best offensive weapon right now, and he made you know just electric plays on punt returns and on that long touchdown catch and run. Uh, and then C.J. Baxter. Uh, excuse me, it was C.J. Baxter out. Jonathan, Jonathan Brooks. Brooks yeah. showing that he can be a bit of a workhorse running back. I think he could have an even bigger game if Sark would have gone to the run game sooner. 21 carries, 167 yards, carried the rushing offense in Texas erupts in. You get another defensive touchdown from Jaron Thompson to seal it. And uh, only real negative of that fourth quarter was the Jaden Blue fumble when it looked like mm-hmm. the Horns were going to go score again and go up 38-10 to 10 in the fumble on Co- the turf. and Covered uh, the number. Anyway, yeah, I, I, gamblers were a little bit disappointed about that. <laughs> I got to cover the number. So, yeah, again, there was plenty of, of to, to, to chew on and talk about and coach on if you're Sark about how do we become a fourth quarter team or a four quarter team. A four quarter team. Yeah. Fourth quarter team. They're doing pretty good. He did that. And, and I think the biggest storyline coming out of this game is, is Quinn Ewers is, you know, he, the regression really started with him as far as what we saw last week to this week, right? I mean, he was uh, befuddled a little bit. He, he missed five, you know, when, when you look at Quinn Ewers. Um, he, you know, with the guy we saw at Alabama certainly didn't play on Saturday night. I mean, he was, uh, I thought he was erratic. He was only two of nine on passes greater than 10 yards. Uh, you take away that worthy touchdown where, you know, it was really mostly X-Man doing the work on a just little quick, quick, quick pass. Uh, yours was 10 of 20 for 82 yards. If you take away that, uh, that X-Man touchdown, he had four or five throws that he'd like to have back um, where he had open receivers that he missed, either behind them or over the top. Mm. And uh, that's what's frustrating, I think, for Texas fans is they, they see yours and, and he's an up-and-down quarterback right now. Other than that, I thought the team was uh, pretty sound. You have to give credit to your opponent because Wyoming looks to me, Rod, to be a team that can be a bowl team this year out of the Mountain West, and they executed their plan. I'm going to just say somebody's been trying to tell you about that Wyoming defense for a while, and nobody wanted to hear Like, Robbie, shut up. Talking about the Wyoming defense. And I was like, I'm telling you, defense, it's not, it's not a terrible defense. It's for the Mountain West. It was pretty good. I was just trying to say it. And you said 10 returning starters, yeah. the best, one of the better linebacker cores it's you've just, seen on film. Oscar Giles coaches a pretty good front. It was a, like I said, they did a good job for about three, two and a half, three quarters against Texas. And, you know, I think frustrated Texas. I don't know if they will, you know, I, I, I never had a doubt. I, was, I, I never freaked out. I know some people were freaking out. I actually never had a doubt, but I get it. And that was like, they had a good defensive game plan. They had a good, good offensive game plan, as you said, E. I went and looked at it. My notes have only four third and longs for them. They stayed in third and they got themselves in the third and manageable a lot. And that third and manageable, they were like, all right, we can go this quick out. Where can we go to quick out? <laughs> right? Where can we throw something out? We know our quarterback can make that throw. All right. And they did a really good job of keeping themselves out of third and long. When they went third and really long, then, I mean, they were in trouble. That's when, you know, Texas could tee off. But they did a good, and they moved the pocket a lot of the time so that they can make the Texas defensive line run and have to chase. Uh, that was a, a good move by them. Obviously, got rid of the football really quickly. They played a lot of heavy personnel, one back, two tight ends. Well, that uh, running back, by the way, pretty good. The kid, uh, Harrison Whaley. Whaley yeah. who, the no, trans- no, Whaley's we, not bad. Told you last week that was his first game action. He'd been injured. He transferred from Northern Illinois through the portal, and he was a good player. I mean, that 62-yard run was a burst, and he he showed uh, he's got some skill to him. He ever averaged six yards a carry. I mean, most of it came on that one long run, but he was a good player. So, yeah, well, give your opponent some credit. Wyoming's pretty good. and not, you know, I think they could compete in the Mountain West for whatever's going to be the Mountain West Conference. But in the end, Longhorns do have to learn to become a four-quarter team. There's no question about that. If they're going to achieve their ceiling of – a Big 12 championship and maybe beyond, they're going to have to learn to, to start faster, play better in the first half. They're work, they're work in progress. Yep. Yes. We, we, saw, we know the ceiling, but they're still a work in progress, and that's okay. <laughs> that's that's perfectly fine. That's what that's why you got so many weeks of the season. So at the Listen, listen TCU made it to the national t- championship as a fourth-quarter team. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what they were. You know that E last year. They, they were not a fourth-quarter team last year. They were a fourth-quarter team. Right. They just found a way to win in clutch time. Guys, we're complaining about this team being clutch. 
We shouldn't. Let's <laughs> let's not complain about them being clutch. We complained about them not being clutch enough for Sark's first two years. Like, man, they don't have in clutch time. They just can't get it done. Sark's not you know aggressive enough in clutch time. The players they seem to fold up in clutch time. Now we're talking about a team in clutch time in the fourth quarter that's performing. So I just have a little perspective. Well, yes, we'll get on them, <laughs> but let's open open up with, hey, man, this team in the fourth quarter in clutch time when the fit hits the shan, they are at their best. Isn't that what we want? Well, um, trust me. And the, and the <laughs> one thing you know about this team, as I mentioned, they 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 have explosiveness, right? They can explode on explosivity. You quick. And what was it with the when the Golden State Warriors were at the height of their run in the NBA? They used to call it what spurtability, mm-hmm. where they can just take a close game and you know. A couple of minutes later, they're up 20 points because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson knocked out a bunch of threes. Texas has that. Uh, they have the ability to take a close game and separate it quickly. We've seen that in their three games now with those yes. quick 21-point outbursts. They've got Kansas that in them. Kansas City used to have that. Yeah, when they did. Kansas City had Tyreek Hill and, and Travis yep. Kelsey, they were the same way. Yep. Now they're not like that. Miami <laughs> Dolphins are kind of like that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The undefeated Dolphins, Dolphins, like, a great Dolphins can jump on you quick. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's to me, the sign of a good team, right? Where they, you feel mm-hmm. like you've got them, you got them right where you want, and all of a sudden, wait, what the heck just are, are, happened? Are the Braves like that in baseball? Who's like that in baseball? Uh, Braves, probably Braves, the best. <laughs> they jump Astros, on you? too, I mean, when they're yeah. playing well, but they're not running Rangers offense. Uh, but no, I mean, the, 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 the spurtability, explosivity, whatever you want to call it, they have that. And, uh, uh, that can separate games pretty quickly. And get a look, the one thing that has been consistent this whole year is that defense. I mean, that defense is really good. Uh, and PK is coaching it up. And uh, those guys up front, now they got pushed a little bit early. And, you know, Wyoming's got a big physical offensive line. Hey, and- hey, give them credit, man. They had a good, good game. That run, that 62-yard run, go back and watch it, guys. Go back and watch their left tackle. Now, Anthony Hill was out of his gap. Yep. Okay, that's a, but he's a freshman. <laughs> a freshman out of his gap. Ooh, big news, right? <laughs> Shocker. Mm-hmm. All right, he's still he, he's a prodigy, but he's still a freshman. Yeah. And they and, and by the way, that's the depth of the defense getting to uh giving credit to PK. They they just brought Ben in and stabilized it. They were like, yeah, he doesn't make the splash plays of an Anthony Hill. But let's just bring Ben in. We know he's stable. We know he's he's gap sound. And then we'll we'll talk to Anthony on the sideline, get it fixed, and then we'll bring him back out there uh, and he'll play. So that's what I love about the defense too. They're not necessarily handcuffed to any any player. They're ro- they're rotating a lot of guys. Defensive line, linebackers. Now you're starting to see, and that secondary. Hey, find guys they can trust in certain situations. Uh, we'll talk about it all morning, the good, the bad, and the ugly, including that incredible light show that started the fourth quarter between the third and fourth. If you were in the packed house at DKR, let us know what that was all about. Thunderstruck? Uh, Thunderstruck, Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Okay, it was pretty gonna awesome. Be, is that going to be the song going forward? Is that the song? Are we rotating songs based on situations? Like, what is... We'll what, to, I'll what's do happening some digging here. on that is this so week. Because you know that is a tradition elsewhere, too. Like, we, we not only stole the LED light show, but that, that song is also somebody that people use that. So are we trying to create our own unique thing? Or are we just going to use what other people are doing? I like, think there'll be a rotation. It. I mean, part of the light show, then, they had like the ACDC Thunderbolts. I think it was. Yeah, but the rotation is tough to create a tradition. My thing was you pick a song, pick a unique song, unique to your fans, your tra- and create a new tradition. That'll be my only critique of it. It's like, well, you're just stealing the whole thing. Why can't we just steal the light show and then take and then have our own cool song? I I like your idea. We talk about it on, on the pregame. Listen, I said they should do Mo Bamba. Uh, well, no, Ty said they should do Mo Bamba, and they should just buy the uh, rights to it. All right, that's so they could be use. ours and only ours. You could. Yeah. You got that kind of money. But, hey, I, but I did say they should they should have their own unique song, though. You shouldn't just take the, the song. Too. Real quick, before we talk some more good, bad, and ugly from the Longhorns. Also, the Cowboys, how good is their defense, as advertised? Uh, Michael Parsons having Best a heck in of the a, league. Let me uh, mention uh, our good friends at Viking Fence. And uh, I'll go ahead and announce right now the Viking Fence Defensive Player of the Game. How about Jade Barron with a P- mm-hmm. uh, pro football focus score of 90.7. Mm-hmm. Led Texas with nine tackles and a 90.7 grade on 34 snaps. He was the best defensive player for the Longhorns. It says better fix it before Dallas, Rod. That, yes. that would be no, I, I, Like I said, work in progress week to week. Um, hell, that does not be looking at Dallas. You better fix it. Baylor. Baylor, <laughs> Baylor and Kansas are your next two, two games. Because um, Baylor, listen. I, I, and you know, I, I know I've been beating this dead horse every, for a few months, but remember even going to the season, I said the best pressure packages from 2022 that were effective versus Texas offense in their offensive line was Baylor. And I said Baylor had created a really good blueprint for others to follow. And what happened in the Rice game? They basically took that blueprint and used a lot of those amoeba fronts, those simulated pressures, the ghost fronts. They added second-level pressures. So the, the the blueprint that's out there on how to pressure Texas is basically Dave Aranda's 
can take a lot of credit for that. And he's got some veteran defensive linemen. Um, and by the way, Wyoming, and uh, you know, got a sack doing some very similar things with the amoeba fronts and the simulated pressures. So, yeah, you got some of that stuff you got to fix immediately. Um, but, yeah, the four-quarter team thing, yeah, I would just like to see, you know, Sark's script be what it has been in the first two years, accompanied with this fourth quarter, you know, kind of surge by Texas. If you combine those things, then, whoa. Then we're talking about Texas right. and being that's the thing, right? worthy we, of number three in the country. And I, I right? agree with you as we'll go behind the burn orange curtain coming up after the top of the hour. But they are a work in progress. I think like, like every team. Georgia was down 14-3 at the half of South Carolina this weekend. Exactly. I mean, it just happens. I mean, it's a long season, but you you take the good and then you build on the bad. I mean, that's just really what good teams do. And I like the way Sark said it in the postgame. I mean, this is what, what good teams do. You You find a way to win on that night. You know, if you're you know pitching in baseball, right? And you, you're if you're a golfer, you know you, your game's going to be different, you know, round to round. It just is, and mm-hmm. you you got to figure out pretty quickly within the round of what's working, what's not. It was pretty clear on Saturday night that Quinn Ewers was a little off. The receivers, the passing game was sputtery. Uh, that defense was, was in you know ten returning starters on that veteran Wyoming defense were sound mm-hmm. and giving you trouble. Uh, look, should Sark have started running the ball a little sooner? I think so. Anytime that they had the ball and they would run the football and stay ahead of the chains is when positive things happened. Uh, but obviously, Sark wants to, to throw the football and, and build around Quinn Ewers. That's the identity of their offense right it now. Is, yep. uh, but, you know, good to see Jonathan Brooks in a game in which C.J. Baxter was injured and is, you know, getting healthy for the, for the conference run. Uh, he stepped in and stepped up for another week and really liked what he did. But look, I mean, the, the, whoever says Dallas with Oklahoma, Oklahoma is the only other ranked Big 12 team. The Big 12 is garbage right now. Mike Gundy is in hot water now. The South Alabama came into Stillwater and smacked around Oak State. Um, you know, K-State loses to Missouri on that 61-yard mm-hmm. field goal at the gun as the SEC downs the Big 12. I mean, I, there's There really should be no roadblock for Texas uh, outside of Oklahoma. But the only the roadblock is Texas right now. Can they get to that ceiling? Because you're right. Based on what we've seen, if you do fix – you know the script, and you know play become a four quarter team, not just a fourth quarter team. This team can uh, play with anybody in the country right now. Totally agree. Yeah. So like I said, I, I wouldn't be freaking out. It's okay. Like I said, that like I said, they, they are a fourth quarter team. That's what Sark emphasized in the off season. That's what you're getting. Um, now the emphasis I think has to change a little bit about how hey guys we got to play an entire four quarter game yeah, and it, we got to put it all together not just now you know obviously the focus and the you know the aggressiveness in the fourth quarter so it, i'm not that concerned with it because like i said i've seen sark's dna is a great script in terms of preparation and game planning i think that'll come back uh and i think that's all about finding finding a an identity in the run game listen the truth is like we're talking about a script sark's opening script was really great right it was like quentin tarantino's opening script <laughs> um uh, for the first two years but it's easier to write a script when you got a tom hanks or a denzel washington as your leading man and when you got Bijan and rojo you see what they did in the nfl all right when you got those guys as your leading man easier to write a script right because <laughs> and i'm not saying quentin yours is not that but quentin yours is a little inconsistent he's not an a-lister just yet he ain't on that level right just yet uh in terms of a proven commodity so i think it's a little tougher for sark to build his script and throughout the game he's getting better at adjusting that's why this i think this is the uh kind of the storyline nobody's talking about he's getting better at adjusting and making adjustments in the fourth quarter as a coach he's winning the chess match within the game He's, he's becoming a chess master. That's why as a football theorist, I'm excited, but I get it. The panic. I understand it. You want to, you want the entire, you know, you want your cake and eat it too. You want the entire four quarter team. It's okay. That'll happen. Yeah. Because expectations are now where expectations are. And that's a good thing at Texas. Number three in the country for the first time since 09. And in 09, they rose to number two, finished number two in the country with mm-hmm. the loss to Alabama in the national title game. If that's where your ceiling is, you're feeling pretty good about that, but you're right. Yeah. This is not the end of the world. I know people are, you know, it, some people are, think that it was a bad loss for, or a bad win for Texas and that, you know, not playing well for the first half didn't do well. I'm going to give you some other scores from around a college football in week three because Texas wasn't that bad. Florida State was number three. We just jumped them in the polls. They barely beat Boston College. They won by two. Penn State beat Illinois, by, but they only put up 30 points in that game. We saw Alabama struggle. Alabama, and by the way, if you want to talk about Alabama and how that that team's not doing as well this season, uh, they 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 look. They don't have a quarterback. Milrose clearly the best quarterback. Tommy Reese wanted to play the other two guys to give him a shot. They both sucked. There's a reason why they couldn't get past 
Milrow. If they play Milrow in that game, it's not as tight as a game it, as, as it should have been. I, I would not say that Alabama is is done, but uh, by any and if you didn't watch that game, it's just the, the other quarterbacks aren't any good. Tommy Reese really wanted that guy. He couldn't win the job at Notre Dame. He followed to Alabama because he thought there could be an opening there. It's not good enough to play for Alabama. Milrow's on the edge of it, but what he can do otherwise uh, with his feet, which they didn't use against Texas to the ability they should have, he, he's going to be the starter. He's already been named starter uh, going into SEC play. Uh, we saw that uh, Michigan, Michigan, one of the best-looking teams, beats Bowling Green 31-6. to It's four points different than us. We saw Georgia had a 10-point win over South Carolina. did not look good in the first half. It's not the end of the world that we did not look good in the first half. I will say there's plenty to learn from, and that's a good thing because you get the win, you get to see that there's some strengths in fourth quarter. You see that Jonathan Brooks looked really good in that game. You saw Jade Barron had a good game. Uh, you know, Baron Sorrell stepped up and had one of his best games. There's some good stuff out of it, but you got some stuff to still grow on, which you need going into a Baylor game because you still need to be hungry in these practices. We're going to read more of your text. Uh, right here coming up, 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776. We'll get into these texts. Some of you some of you are going pretty hard on Texas right now. We'll get into those. I'll tell you why I don't think it's as bad as some of you and why I think it may be worse than some of you. But we'll see. 512-337-3776. We are also asking you, uh, who is your MVP? Who is your MVP for the game against Wyoming. Send that in as well. And we'll be right back to read some of your texts here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. Society, God's gift to ballroom notoriety, and I always fill my ballroom. The event is never small. The social pages say I've got the biggest balls of all. I've got big balls. Back on the sports complex, we're under here on a Monday, playing big songs this week to get ready for some Big Twelve conference play for the Texas Longhorns. Reading your text, 512-337-3776. I see some of you guys are on the ledge after a 21-point win. I get it wasn't pretty in the first half. Second half looked real pretty. But I get it wasn't pretty in the first half. I get that. I wasn't happy with the first half either. Thought there was a lot of things that could be fixed. I think some of those will be. You know, game, game plan wasn't great. Play calling wasn't great. Execution wasn't great. All those things. Defensively looked pretty good. Other than one big, uh, you know, one big miss where you let a guy get outside of you and basically three guys made a mistake on the same play, you can't have that. Getting to some of your texts. Man, Chan, think it's lack of time to prepare for week to week? No, you have plenty of time. You have plenty of time to prepare for Wyoming. You, you did. You should. And if it's a lack of time for, for Texas, then it's a lack of time for everybody else. So it's, it's when you have the most money and they have as much money as any of the top ten schools, top five schools, Clearly, uh, they have all the analysts and everybody else. You should have plenty of time to get ready for these these programs. I think there is some stuff they're still working on and things. You know, I, I think they're taking a different approach to how they're trying to teach things this year. When we saw for Quinn Ewers especially, how overwhelmed Quinn Quinn got last season. That there was just it seemed to to pile and pile and pile, and it, it ended up going too much for him, and it just made him worse and worse as the season went on. I think they're trying to manage that a bit more when they're trying to show things to Quinn Ewers, but I, I don't think that there's a lack of time because they're the same time as everybody else, and they have more money, more facilities, more coaches to go for it. Uh, that's where you can you can get to. I like this one: intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic, uh, getting you some motivation. You need do need to motivate yourself. If you can't get up for Wyoming, you're not going to get up for any of these Big Twelve teams. I get the the fans are going to help you because. Everywhere you go, everyone hates your guts for your leaving because guess what? The two schools that are leaving are the only two ranked teams in the Big 12 right now. So I get it. They're not happy. But you shouldn't need that. You shouldn't need that anger. You don't need to be Colorado. <laughs> I know he's going to make everything personal, and that game almost got away from them because they made it too personal. 
because they weren't worried about you know doing what they do. You don't want to be that, but you can come out and use that as motivation along with your intrinsic abilities. Uh, any any chance the fourth quarter explosion trend is just Sark flipping his opening script and putting it at the end? I don't believe so. I mean, the opening script thing is more normally kind of more what you've you've written out the plan, so you can't really put it at the end because that's when the teams already know what you're going to do. Uh, you have to kind of go with the flow. I think the the reality is he has good players that are ready, and when you get them into a situation where they figure out what they're doing, they, the trust in this team, the coaching staff this year from the team is really high. The buy-in rate is really high. And I think it's just the coaches getting to the part where they figure out what is working, and once they figure out what's working, then they're able to kind of filter it down. And then once the offensive line starts winning in the fourth quarter because they're a better, they're in better shape, they've you know they've trained harder, they're bigger, they're better athletes. The running game can pick up in the in the in the fourth quarter, and once the running game picks up, and you have to start using all of your resources to stop them because the clock's winding down. That becomes a different ball game. Now, all of these fourth quarters, Texas, I mean, somewhat in the Alabama game, they were down for technically a few minutes in the fourth quarter and the third or the fourth. Uh, but all these games are playing from ahead. So it is a different mentality when you're playing from behind. We haven't seen it yet. Hopefully we don't see it all year. But there there is a reality to that. I like Jade Barron for your MVP Brooks honorable mention. I like that one. I think Jade Barron, because the defense is what carried this team. Because if you let Wyoming get 17 in the first half, this is a different, it's a very different game. If you allow them to take away more and more plays out of your playbook, if you, if you are only calling 40 plays, Sark talked about it, that they were down 20 to 30 you know, normal snaps that they get off and offensively, and they didn't have that because Wyoming can run the ball and just run the clock, and that's kind of what Wyoming did. Truth is, Texas beat a not very good Alabama. This is the sediment now. Last week when I said that it's, look, they're the same Alabama you played last year. They're not the dynasty Alabama. They're still really good. All four and five star athletes. They just don't have a quarterback. And then they, if you want to take last week's game, throw it out because Milrow was playing. Milrow wasn't playing. They put in two scrubs that Tommy Reese wanted to bring in. Tommy Reese better start recruiting quarterbacks a little bit better. But they're going to have Milrow. They'll be better. They, they would have won by another two touchdowns if they would have played Milrow instead, and they wouldn't have been the same thing. They're not the, they're not the be, end-all, be-all. But again, Michigan didn't blow out Bowling Green. Georgia didn't blow out South Carolina. Florida State didn't blow out Boston College. So none of those teams beat their teams big by big big numbers. We're gonna keep reading your text. We gotta take a break. Top of the hour. Uh we're gonna take we're gonna take your, more of your text. 512-337-3776. We'll get you ready for Rangers pregame taking over at 630 and some NFL action happening tonight. All of that coming up here on the Sports Complex. Hour two coming up here on the Horn, 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.